This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Max Holloway remains the featherweight king. Have we seen the last of Chris Cyborg in the UFC? Canadians in the UFC went 3-0 and then the train went off the rails. BJ Penn will fight one more time before calling it a career. Derek Lewis likely to return to MSG in November. And will Colby Covington finally get a shot at the undisputed UFC welterweight championship? We'll find out on Saturday and discuss it with him on this week's show. We're also joined by the king of Lethway, Dave Nomad LaDuke, whose wedding, yes, nationally televised wedding, was seen by 30 million people in Myanmar, where he is an absolute god. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Order the podcast. Please tell your friends, review the show, and subscribe, and we appreciate any listener feedback. So if you uh, have anything you want to tell us about the show or combat sports in general, at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter is where we can be reached. Why didn't you go into Lethway? You could have been you could have been the original Canadian Lethway guard. Well, I like kickboxing too much. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, I mean, it's a cool sport, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's the, they had the headbutts, they had the elbows. Um, just a little messier for me. I like the the clean style of it, and I like boxing better. So I feel like the I've always had the thing for my hands. So I like the aspect of boxing, and with no gloves, you don't really get to box that much. So you got to slice people more with elbows. So this is vicious, but uh, I prefer kickboxing. He explained to there. me how he trains headbutting, like how to throw and take a headbutt. Well, I mean, he he throws it a lot in the clinch, so he'll throw a lot of combinations with like his elbows, and then from the elbows, he follows with his headbutt back to the elbows, so he uses his head as a strike, you know? So it's uh, it's kind of cool to watch him. I recommend you guys going on YouTube and watching, or his Instagram to watch some of his pad work, because it's, it's pretty interesting to see how he uses it. And you gotta think, old school MMA allowed headbutts too, right? Like, you mean a lot of guys that I used to watch in MMA, uh, one of the, I think the, the famous guy would be Pele, who used to get you on ground and pound, then he would headbutt you from ground and pound. So, I mean, the headbutt has been a, a weapon in martial arts for many years. And probably the king in street fights, the headbutt, too, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of those quick headbutts you know to the to nose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, if you don't know how to throw it, it can be good, I guess too. it is like kind of your most, well, I wouldn't say it's your most powerful weapon, because I guess with an elbow, you get a lot more torque, right, yeah. if you throw it down But you need more angle. range for that that quick headbutt in, in you know, six That's inches. True. You can really yeah. crack the nose and, and, and do some work. Yeah. yeah. And I guess you probably wouldn't hurt your head that badly if you hit, like, a softer tissue like the nose. Yeah. And, he, and you see the way LeDuc will throw his headbutts. He kind of uses the points of his head, because, I mean, I always call them the horns. Like, the horns of your head is probably the hardest part of your head. So when you take a punch, you try to get hit on those horns. So uh, he kind of punches and uses the corners of his forehead more than he would, like, the flat part or the top of his head. So he strategically places his head like it would be a knuckle or a knee or something like that. So it's really interesting to watch. I watched him training the headbutts on the pads, and the pads look like those drum sets. You know those drum yeah, yeah, sets? Yeah, you, yeah, ding, you ding, play, ding. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you have the, the, the different pads in the top oh, right, top left. definitely cool to watch. And he's landed some in the fights, too, which makes it really fun to, to see. And, uh, yeah, when you get a nice cut open that way, it's pretty nasty. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty grueling, so. So um, I know he's fighting an upcoming UFC guy. Uh, I think an older not, not UFC. Not up and coming. Well, uh, <laughs> not, yeah, I got to the opposite. But like, yeah. I mean, new Seth to Paczynski. the sport of, of Lethway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's where um, I think it's good because the problem with Lethway right now is I think just the the same thing with kickboxing and Muay Thai. Even less so. I mean, kickboxing and Muay Thai are a lot more popular than Lethway. So um, he's trying to be that person to to get it on the map. So to fight someone that was an ex UFC guy kind of helps that. Yeah, and Robin did the uh, Robin Black did uh, one of his breakdowns on yep. the headbutt that LaDuke throw. And he also was calling the event for a UFC Fight Pass. So if you yeah. have Fight Pass, you can watch Robin Black call the uh, call all the action. I think oh, we really? heard on TSN at some point too. 
Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. The Duke awesome. is on the uh, the Amazing Race Canada, so it's a good time. So TSN is going to play it. Yeah, we're going to well, we're going to play. We play the Amazing Race Canada on TSN as well as CTV, and we're going to play the Lethway. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm going to say I'm a little disappointed in that because I'd like to see Glory on TSN. Uh, rights, rights are rights. Uh, yeah. You know, we didn't have to. I don't think we had to pay to air it. I think it's just well, you know a tie. St- you know. Still putting my foot down. Well, I mean, if Glory, <laughs> if Glory would. Uh, well, actually, I don't, yeah, Glory, well, Glory doesn't need to pony up money. We would need to buy the rights to Glory for sure. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I would love to see Glory on our air too. I'd love to see all all combat sports on our air. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm biased. You just got to <laughs> get, get, right, get the right people on email and get uh, let's That's get this it. thing moving. I agree. Um, all right. So this past week, UFC 240, Max Holloway doing Max Holloway stuff at featherweight again. Um, how did you score that one? I mean, I know that. The, some people's scores were a little bit all over the map. I don't think you could give that fight to Edgar yeah, um, under any real circumstances. But how did you have it scored? Well, I mean, I, I think I think the, the right decision, and I think um, Holloway just did enough every round to win. I mean, I think the the fifty forty five decisions were the right call. I mean, I don't think Frankie ever did enough, and even when he was doing, like you saw in the beginning of each round, Frankie was a little bit he was touching the target more. But you had Max Holloway pressuring, closing the distance, and when he did land, he did more of the damaging work. So that's where I give all five of the rounds to, to Holloway. Yeah, I had it scored the same way, and you know, I I going into it, I thought that. Um, Frankie Edgar was going to give him a lot of interesting looks and a lot of stuff that he hadn't seen before. And maybe he did, but it didn't seem to phase Max at all. Yeah, I mean, I just think the reach and the size just looked so different. I mean, Frankie um, had the right strategy. He was trying to get in and out, play his angles like he does really well. Um, I just think once he realized how hard Max was to take down, took a lot of energy out of him, um, Max just looked good. And I think a lot of people were expecting a Max that we saw against Poirier who took some big shots. and But, uh, yeah, that's why. Holloway, man, we got to put him as that featherweight king, like you said. Yeah, I think that's four, 13 in a row, 14. I think it's 14 in a row now for him yeah. at featherweight. Yeah. That's pretty unbelievable. And how was it? I mean, there's a lot of talk on how the Canadians are really embracing him. With you being in Edmonton, how how was he as a, as a celebrity and star out there? Yeah, like the, the fans were really loud for him, as loud as they were for any Canadian fighter. So, um, yeah, I mean, Max is big in Canada. The thing is, you know, I was asked this on a radio interview last week. Um, they asked whether... Um, you know, Max has has become like kind of a transcendent star in Canada, or if it's just in MMA. And I said it's pretty much just in MMA. Like I don't think that a lot of people rec- would recognize Max Holloway if they weren't familiar with the sport. He's not like a Conor McGregor type thing, one of those kind of crossover names. guys, like a Chuckle Dell or something like that. He's a guy that I think that if you follow the sport and you're a Canadian and you're into the sport, he's like a guy that you really are, are fond of. But if you don't know, I, and I think that the UFC is do, trying to build him up in a in a way where he can be. A little bit more of a transcendent star, but I, th- I still think there's work to be done in that regard. But Max is just so likable; like he's yeah, just. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this after the event, and I mentioned this on a different interview I did actually earlier this week with uh, Jimmy Smith and uh, Dan Hardy. I said to them, "Look at me name dropping people." There you go. I, I like said, it. I, I said to them, like after that fight, I just thought about it. Um, actually, it was R.J. Clifford. I should correct myself. R.J. Clifford and Dan Hardy. I spoke to Jimmy Smith last week. I, as yeah, I continue to drop go. names on Sirius XM Radio, but. Um, I thought about it after the fight, and I thought, what, what does Max Holloway not have that you would want from a champion? There's really nothing. Like he's 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 got a great personality. He's friendly. He's um he's pretty marketable. I would say he's always winning his fights. Yeah. He is a very respectful opponent. Um, he plays by the rules. He's never missed weight. Like all of these different things about Max just make him really the consummate champion. And I I you know I I can't think of something that he lacks that you would want a champion to have that he doesn't yeah. have. Well, I mean, I just think he's 
grown as a celebrity of the sport and to cross that barrier is really tough and we've never really had many guys do it like I mean you can say Ronda Rousey to John Jones the Conor McGregor's but it's really hard to crack that so I think he's just that that big star in MMA and it's going to be hard to cross that line and I think even when someone like GSP kind of crossed that line just because I think he had more of that respectful unique approach and very intellectual very well thought out so um I don't know, but I mean, I kind of like his personality. I mean, anytime you see him in any video, in any interview, when you see him, when you talk to him, you know that's the real Max Holloway you're talking to. He's not putting on an act of trying to be this other person like we're seeing, you know, people trying to sell fights. He's just him being him. I mean, I've, I uh, follow him. They always put him in the embeddeds and, and all that because he's fun. He's going to malls. He's social. He's always laughing. He's cracking jokes. He's a real person, and I mean, I just think it's great to have someone like that. And even after the fight, I mean, he even went to to Joe Rogan, it's like, hey, you know, go interview the legend before me almost. You know, he wanted Frankie Edgar to have the, the first talk on the mic because it's just how respectful of a, a martial artist he is, and I love it. And he was so quick to compliment Frankie. And the thing is, yeah. like, the way he talked about Frankie before the fight is the same way he talked about him after yeah, the fight. Yeah, he like, doesn't change. He just he's telling you the truth. Yeah, no, I, I think he's a great champion, and I really like his personality, and I hope he gets that stardom he deserves. And I just even love seeing his son. It's just that it's a positive uh, thing to, uh, that he's bringing to the sport. Yeah, you know, it's hard, it was heartbreaking to see Frankie Edgar after the fight because, yeah, because he, of his he, son well, coming in son, too, right? His son was there, and it's just, you know, it's you just know that at his age... He might not get another shot. Like yeah. that could have been his last attempt at getting. And he's had two previous attempts at getting the featherweight belt and was unable to do it then too. Mm -hmm. So I mean, it's it, you know it's just tough because I think everybody kind of loves Frankie Edgar. There's nothing really about Frankie Edgar like a Max Holloway that yeah. is, there is to dislike. But it's funny to hear people say like, and, and it wasn't just you, but I mean that they're sad for Frankie Edgar. Like, and we should almost be celebrating the man. You know, the fact that he's 37 years old, still able to compete at the highest level, has done so from so many years in different weight classes that he shouldn't even be in i mean that man's career whether he's losing should be celebrated i don't think we should be sad i don't think he should be sad man you just fought at the top of the division probably for the last 10 years you've yeah. been sitting at the he's top playing with how's money i mean like there's nothing come on more you know what achieve. i mean you're, you've you've supported a huge career you've made more money than any kickboxer and any other combat sport out there you've made a huge living you made a popular living for you and your family man your career's got to be celebrated there's nothing sad or wrong about what he's done and he deserves to be in the hall of fame yeah, for sure. He was a Hall of Famer before he fought Max Holloway, and he's going to be a Hall, a Hall of Famer, Famer after. now. You know, yeah, so we still love him. I mean, I think even if he said he wants to come back, sure, you can do it. Um, I think he has the potential to do it. I think and, he and beats 90 of the division. Let's be honest and still. And let's be real also. Like, you don't need to fight for the champ. Like, if if you don't think you can win a championship, you don't need to retire. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's I, a misnomer in combat sports. Yeah. That, right? what's, what's left for him to achieve? Maybe he just wants to keep doing it. Yeah. He feels good. He, he wants to keep fighting. He likes competition. Like, I mean, similar to BJ Penn, who we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But just even anyone, thinking about our parents, our aunts, our uncles, a lot of them are working past 60 years old. They can retire with a full pension and be fine. Tomorrow. Yes, yeah. with a full pension, but they still decide to work because it's social. That gets them in the gym. It keeps them in shape. It keeps them feeling young. It keeps them alive. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with continuing to be in the sport. Um, but... He's also a guy who seems to still have his brain intact, seems to not have taken overly too much damage where he's he's on that borderline. I mean, th there's definitely got to be a point where we say stop. We can't have the BJ Pens uh, continuing, but I still think he's in great shape. The way he talks, very intellectual. Uh, he's not stuttering in the speech. 
I mean, I still think he's got a few more, and he doesn't have to fight for titles in my eyes. Well, why don't we talk about BJ Penn then? He's yeah. lost, I don't even know how many in a row, seven in a row or something. He hasn't won a fight in over 10 years. But he wants to fight one more time. Dana uh-huh. White and him have an agreement. This is the last time he's going to fight. You know, thank goodness for in that. UFC, crazy in the, in the UFC, crazy probably goes. You never know yeah. what's, what's after that. But um, if they're willing to give him another fight, and like his coach Jason Perillo has said when I, when I spoke to him, He's not getting knocked out left and right. Not like this guy's got a, a bad chin. Like he's keeps getting, you know, you can't really compare him to Chuck Liddell, who kept getting, you know, starched, you know, in the first round in every fight towards the end of his career. You know, BJ went the distance in his last fight. Should we, as people who observe the the sport or cover the sport or anything along those lines, have a say in whether BJ Penn fights again? I don't think the fans really should have a say in anything of these fighters in their careers, to be honest with you. But uh, I think there's a time where when you're the CEO, Dana White, is saying the only reason he's giving me this fight is because he's been calling me off the hook and bothering me, basically. And I just want to shut him up and to get him a fight. And especially when because let's be honest, there. Um, BJ Penn is having some issues outside of the ring. There seems to be getting into problems, getting into issues. So a um, lot of these issues that happen out of the ring didn't happen to these fighters earlier on in their career. So these problems outside are almost the signs of early signs of CTE, which is could or could not be. Yeah, but it's like erratic behavior. It's erratic behavior. Yeah. Let's be honest with you. Uh, and, and like, let's... If we continue to give him fights, it's not going to help that situation. He needs different help. He needs something to replace the fighting in order to him to live comfortably, to live, you know, happily. Like even for me, when I had to give up my title, if it wasn't for the commentary, I'd want to be more likely to come back and do these things. So a fighter needs that exit. If he doesn't have that, then he starts going to the bars. He starts drinking more. He starts eating more. And then this is when we see that bad downfall. And let's be honest, last week in combat sports was probably one of the worst weeks we've had. We've had two young boxers die which is one of the saddest things in the world that i've ever heard you know one was bad enough to have two in a week so we as a community as fans as supporters we all need to do a better job at you know letting these guys know that if they fight or don't fight we love them regardless you know we're supporters of them it seems like there's a lot more deaths in boxing than there are (laughs) at least in terms of north american combat sports in terms of uh, mma or um any sort of other combat sport um kickboxing etc why is that? Why do you think that boxing in specific has all of these different instances? I just think the 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 amount of times you get hit in the head and I think I'm pretty sure there's a lot of there there's some scientific research saying that if you Basically, if I always give the, I've probably said it on the show 10 times already, but that football versus rugby analogy, it's more dangerous to play football than it is to play rugby because with the helmet, with the extra protection on your hand, you can throw this shot um, you know, without thinking in a way that's as most powerful as you can. But if you take that glove off, you have to be a little bit more precision. You don't want to break your hand, so you end up laying off a little bit. So that one shot that knocks you out, puts you out, is safer than having to sit there for 10 rounds and constantly eat these jabs and these punches that rock you and I'm telling you a lot of these boxers even a hard jab from a boxer is like shaking you you see stars off those little jabs you had that for 12 rounds that accumulation is just brutal absolutely and I, when you see these guys training uh, in the gym just getting hit in the head yeah. repeatedly it's 
It's, yeah, and the sparring, boxing sparring is tough. It's yeah. really freaking tough. I mean, you're sitting there you're and, and you're going out. That's for sure. There's no time to grapple. I mean, I've seen crazy MMA sparring as well. I've seen guys in four-ounce gloves just taking each other's heads off, and it, it's scary to see these guys do that. But, again, that one shot is a, is a lot safer than those constant hits to the head. And there's a big g- genetic component to it as well. Some people just have certain genes that you know predisposes them to, to more head injuries than others. Like, I only got dropped once in my career, and it was a enough to give me the concussions, right? Where some people, you know, an Alistair Overing, for example, has been probably knocked out over 18 times or something, I think I counted last time. So some people just have that durability. Look at Mark Hunt, the shots, those Samoans. Like, there's yeah, got to be mean, some evolutionary, yeah, you know, something Hawaiians, that's going there. Yeah, yeah they just Koreans, have that ability to yeah. take those shots. So, I don't I mean, know why that is. I mean, it's Something it's, genetically for I would them, love right? to look up how many... Korean, South Korean fighters in the UFC have been knocked out or dropped. Yeah. And it just seems like they are able to just withstand tons what, of punishment. Who knows? Something in the, the Korean evolution. You mean, Do you think that's what it is? It's just kind of like muscle structure? I don't know. It could be, but it's not really the the muscle structure. I wouldn't say it was like the the bone structure because it's the brain bouncing inside the head. I don't know what it could be. I, I really don't. I gotta find more research, or maybe we can get a brain spe- specialist on to let us know. I'd be into that. So then, when you look at that, why do you have concerns about BJ Penn competing? Well, it's just his behavior. Like, I mean, we can't look at what behavior is going on outside and say it's normal or it's okay or um, he's been doing this in the past. This is all new behavior. So something's going on, and we have to treat these fighters, you know, properly. we got to make sure they're healthy in and, in and outside the ring. I mean, we saw a little bit with Tony Ferguson, and I'm just glad he's fixed that all up. But uh, he's also hasn't been in the sport as long as BJ Penn. And, you know, we, we all look at BJ Penn as a role model, as someone that we looked up to, one of the, the pioneers of, you know, MMA. So we just want to see him go out in a positive way because this is the guy that we use as a reference. If he goes out and all of a sudden we see this behavior, we can't be having this in the sport. But it seems like the issue is that when he's not in a fight camp, he can't control himself. He's yeah. got impulse control issues. So Dana White's kind of in a bad spot here because when if he gives BJ Penn another fight after saying he wanted him to retire, everybody's like, "Oh, why is Dana White doing this? What you know?" But then if he doesn't give him another fight, he's concerned about BJ Penn because he considers BJ Penn a friend. I'm yeah, sure, for sure, and he knows what BJ Penn's contributed to the sport. So as a result of that, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. He can either say, "No, listen, you're going to have to hang it up," and know that he could get into trouble. But at, on the flip side of that. You know, if he does give him this other fight, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get into trouble again right afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. I just think we don't know what's going on, and we just have to be careful with all of these stuff and just throwing them into fights. It, it's a dangerous sport, and and there's no way around it. We need to protect them. But, uh, I mean, it's his choice also. I mean, we're not in his control. Um, if he wants to fight, hey, all the power to him. Uh, but... Uh, Someone like me always took the opposite approach. I'd rather go with less brain damage than more brain damage. But if he wants to go out that way, I mean, that's his choice also. The co-main event, Chris Cyborg beats Felicia Spencer 30-27 on all cards. I thought Felicia Spencer looked great, all things considered. Um, But do you think that this is the last time we see Chris Cyborg in the UFC? Because based on what we've seen this week, it's uh, not seeming very likely that she's... No, and hearing the stuff she's saying, too. Wow. Did you uh, have a chance to listen to her on Ariel's show? I did, yes. And what did you take from her strong words against everybody? Well, this is the problem with this situation on both sides of this. Dana White 
you know, has said some things in the past, and so has Joe Rogan about Cyborg that are very inexcusable. Yeah. And I don't think Anna White would be proud absolutely. of it. And she wants a public apology from both of them. Now, Joe Rogan has publicly apologized already. He yeah. said, listen, I, she didn't ask to be roasted. We were drunk on a plane. We shouldn't have done that. Yeah. That's enough for me. And she says that Joe Rogan has apologized to her in person as well. Yeah. So what more is there for Joe Rogan? I, let's leave him out. I think she wants it, what, public from him, But right? that was public. He, made, he in an interview, said, okay. uh, you know, he, in a public interview, he said, yeah, yeah, listen, yeah. I shouldn't have done this. And Joe Rogan's been very contrite about that. And he's actually mentioned it in subsequent episodes as well. Okay. Um, I mean, he has also accused her of being on performance-enhancing drugs um, in, in different interviews and whatever. I mean, be that as it may. I just think that both of these sides are way too far off from what from one another, that the communication has completely broken down. So this is the whole narrative last week. Cyborg comes out and says, it's a lie. I never said that I, I wasn't going to fight Amanda Nunes. Then the UFC says, we offered her Nunes um, on two different occasions. And we even said that if the fight would fall through, she was worried about the fight falling through, that we would pay her her show money. Um, regardless, because we needed to basically put her on the shelf in order to um, wait to fight Nunes. Now, Cyborg wanted to fight sooner because it was the last fight on her contract, and she didn't want to be um, inactive. Yeah. So, so basically, when she says when they, when the UFC says she was afraid to fight Amanda Nunes, that's inaccurate. That's yeah. not that's not true. Exactly. But if they say she said she wouldn't fight Amanda Nunes. That is also true. Under certain parameters, she would not fight Amanda Nunes. And when she says that the UFC is lying, uh, that that she that she would, uh, re- I guess, turn down the rematch with Amanda Nunes, that's also not true. Because according to the UFC, and I, I have it on, on a pretty reliable source, that she was offered those two fights in October and November. Um, multiple sources told me that. So if that's the case, then... There's just a, ma- a massive miscommunication here. Yeah, which neither, I think it is. Both sides sure. are being truthful, and both sides are also being untruthful. Yeah. So I just don't see how this gap is going to get bridged. I mean, basically, it seems like Cyborg has completely torched the bridge on her way out. Yeah. Like, and, and she wore that. Listen, her camp do a lot of smart things, and they do a lot of things that aren't so smart. One smart thing that they did was they made that Cyborg versus Nunes 2 January shirt because yeah. that's basically them announcing that she wants this rematch. Which but, they made her take off before the press conference, but that, that's, which is fair. Which is fair because every any fighter that wears yeah. a shirt into a press conference, it's the Reebok to. policy. Whatever, I get that. But that puts the ball kind of in the UFC's court because if she says, I'll do the rematch in January, now all of a sudden... If she signs somewhere else, like Bellator or whatever, she can just go on and say, listen, I wanted to fight Nunes, but they just weren't going to pay me enough. Yeah, yeah. So she's gotten out. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. She has. She mentioned two things. One of them was basically she only wants a one-fight deal. Well, why are we going to let a champion, someone fight for a belt for only one-fight deal, right. get your money, then walk out? So you can't really expect the UFC to jump on that for her contract, right? Yeah. So, and the other thing is, she's just, she's so now, like, I think she's selling the fight by doing this as well. I think it's helping her stock in a little bit by saying all these things about the UFC because this way, that little bit of tension might help. She wants one more fight anyway. So, by bullying the UFC to give her one fight for the belt, she's getting what she wants. I don't think the UFC is going to be bullied. I mean, this, this negotiation has been incredibly public since the moment that Spencer fight ended. I mean, Dana White comes out and says, if she fights that way against Nunes, she's going to lose. She looks old, and it's okay if she doesn't want to fight a man. 
Amanda Nunes. So yeah. he's basically stacking the deck in the UFC's favor in terms of negotiations, and she's trying to stack the deck in her favor. And, and she wants to fight frequently, but there's no one to fight in the there's division. Fight. So like, and it's that's not, not the her. UFC's fault either, but, or it's well, not. A... It kind of is the UFC's fault that there's not enough people to fight because they didn't sign them. Yeah. They opened the division with no fighters. Yeah, there yeah. were three legitimate one forty fivers in the. In yeah, but Cyborg's had that her problem her whole life. No one really wanted to fight her, right? So I mean, now all of a sudden, I think maybe more girls are more inclined to because she's getting a little bit older. We saw her lose, and we you know we saw Spencer do pretty good against her. But uh, I, I always thought that was always a problem for her. I don't think there are that many 145ers on the planet that can hang with Cyborg, even this current incarnation of yeah. Cyborg. But what did you think of her performance overall? Cyborgs? Yes. I thought it was okay. Like I, I mean, I've, I expect more from Cyborg. I think that's the other thing is like the expectation when you see Cyborg's name on a bill is that you're going to get a first-round knockout. Yeah. And I think that anything shy of that is going to be a bit of a letdown for the people that are watching to see Cyborg do what Cyborg does, yeah. which is knock people out. Um, Felicia Spencer was walking. She was pressuring the pressure fighter. That's always what you say that, that people should do against yeah, pressure fighters. You have to. And she did that against Cyborg and looked good in the in the process. But also from a straight up striking standpoint, was completely outclassed. I mean, that's just how it is with Cyborg. She took a lot more damage. She took a lot more um, strikes. And um, her wrestling didn't. Her wrestling and grappling wasn't enough to to get Cyborg down for any prolonged period of time. So. While I think that Spencer did have a very good performance, all things considered, uh, I also don't think that Cyborg had a great performance. So. Yeah, I, I, it definitely wasn't her one of her better performances we saw. No, and it's the first 45er, legit 45er she's fought in the UFC. Yeah. But do, would you put Spencer as a a legit 45er? Yeah, she's a 45er. She's Even 45er based on, in, like, in I mean, based on her body frame, I bet you she can go down a little bit. Like, she yeah, doesn't look as... require pretty heavy dieting. Like, she's pretty, she's a bull. She's big. Mm-hmm. Like, she's she's got a pretty thick frame. Like, and I've seen her in person, and she is a legit 45er, in my but opinion. But, like, treating her as, as an athlete, not as, as a female or a male at this point, she seems to be heavy in the abdominals. You know what I mean? Where that is the first thing, usually, with good dieting, with good training, you can lose that 5, 10 pounds in the weight she's holding around her waist so i mean i think i i see how she's good she's big she's strong she can handle that way but i don't see it crazy for her to be able to go down a weight class either yeah based it's, on it's her very, frame and her body type could be a possibility but i actually think that at 145 she'll be better than she would be at 35 yeah. i just think that she knows how to use her size yeah. and i think that that showed in that fight she was able to absorb strikes she was able to clinch she was able to get in get in close I think that 145 is the right weight class for her. And the same with Megan Anderson. Megan Anderson cuts on that. Yeah, um, Megan Anderson's huge. She, she that, cuts, to yeah. me, is a, is a, a girl that's a 145. She's probably a 155. Yeah, seriously. Like she could probably go to uh, the PFL and compete in that tournament. Yeah, yeah. She cuts from, like, 160, I think. Like, she's... she's She's a big girl. She's yeah, tall. Tall, yeah. That's five like ten, five eleven. Big bone structure, yeah. like fixed bone structure. You yeah. can tell she's dense. You know, yeah, like for sure. I mean, no, definitely. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think. Uh, that's what the Performance Institute is for. That's why I guess she can go. She can get all of her body imaging and scanning done, and they can tell her where she'll be best, yeah. too. But if Cyborg's gone and that division doesn't hold up, what does she do at this point? Well, right? that's exactly it. Like that That's the question. Is do you? And I asked Dana White this. If Cyborg leaves, is there still a division? And he said yes. He said, you know, Amanda Nunes is the is champion. The champ, yeah. She wants to defend she wants both. To defend. So, I mean... Maybe they don't need to have that many people in the division anyways. Yeah. But that, I think Felicia Spencer versus Nunes is an interesting fight after what we saw from uh, Felicia Spencer. Yeah, why not? I think she can hang with anyone. But, uh, I mean, is that the right move to put her in against another big big name like that? We don't have many options. There's not but, a lot of options. Exactly. But, Who else uh, do you put her against? But ideally, I don't think that should be her next fight, obviously. I would hope they would give her something of a of a step to build her confidence I'd be okay before with she it. I'd be okay with her versus Nunes as the next fight. Yeah. If I Cyborg mean, leaves. She I mean, would take it. She's definitely. the best option at yeah. 145. And I, yes, she absolutely would take it. Yeah. 
It's just—it's crazy to think that someone with only well, she was like seven and zero oh or yeah, something like that is now fighting Cyborg and potentially Amanda yeah. Nunes. Like that's insane. Well, she she beat Megan Anderson, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to give her but that notch on her it's belt. It's insane. It's insane to to hear with that amount of experience, the level and the amount she fought with, and the confidence she fought with. And I think that was the big story. And and you know, it kind of bothered me that uh, you know I'm, I'm defending the commentators because obviously it's my position. I was going to ask you about this. Yes. Yeah. So I'm defending the position. I was like. The storyline, you know, each fight has a storyline. And I think the storyline is like you said. Cyborg, we expect her to dominate. We expected her to blow Spencer out of the water. But we saw this, we saw a, a, a Spencer do well. So that's the storyline there. How amazing she's doing against this, you know, phenom that we've talked about. This beast, this monster. So, I mean, I'm not... Bad against it. I think they 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 said Cyborg won the fight. They said yeah. that she you the know, only issue I think her. a lot of people had was that Joe kept saying the fight was five rounds as as it went on. Yeah, but I mean, which is a problem. He messed up. Yeah, it's, and it's the producer mistake. got in his ear. I think eventually and was like, "This is a yeah. three round fight." But I mean, I just think the biggest issue was the the amount of praise they were giving Spencer and not enough praise to Cyborg. And I think I think that was the real storyline in this fight. I mean, did Cyborg look her best? No. Is it right for the commentators to say she didn't look her best? Yeah, they can mention it. But but they, they don't want to keep harping on how it's not her best performance, even though Cyborg's not going to come out and say that she did terribly, but she didn't do great either. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think if she was honest about her performance, and I think the storyline of the commentary was right. Could they have given her a little bit more praise? Sure. But when you're watching this fight and you see Megan Anderson, uh, no, sorry, not Megan Anderson, uh, Spencer, Spencer there, yeah. Felicia Spencer, get the elbow, cut Cyborg, there's blood, there's a chance for her to win. That's the excitement of the fight. Yeah, is sure. her like having a chance to round, do well. It was touching. That's go. the story. You yeah. watched that first round. And you Absolutely. thought maybe Spencer was going to get this. She done. got that elbow of her coming in. Cyborg cut for the first mm -hmm. time. There, she's bleeding. This this unbeatable force that we've yeah. seen for so many years cut from a girl who's seven fights. Like, did that's she look tired to you though? Joe kept saying she was tired. Did the cyborg, cyborg look tired? Tired to you? I, I think that she looked a little bit sluggish. But I, I yeah, don't know if you I want mean, to say that she looked tired. No, nah, I wouldn't say overly tired because she was still pressing. But she lost that little bit of pop in her punch, right? Like where that if you knew if even though when she hit with impact it wasn't going to put her out mm -hmm. so I think she lost a little bit of the power that would say but I wouldn't say she was overly fatigued. Well I think it was important for Cyborg to overcome what she overcame in that fight which was hitting your opponent their opponent's not going down and you just keep going. Yeah. Like I think that a lot of the power punchers in MMA in general have this issue where if you can't put your opponent out you you get discouraged because yeah. you you believe in your power yeah and i think that cyborg coming off of that loss to nunez she had to overcome two barriers she had to overcome that she was that people could knock her out she got knocked out by nunez there's always the chance that her opponent catches her for sure which i'm sure before that when she fought nunez i'm sure in her mind she wasn't like i'm gonna get knocked out by nunez i'm sure she thought she was invisible mm -hmm. for i mean sure. she'd won 20 in a row so she had to overcome that and then she had to overcome um, the idea that her punches weren't putting her opponent out, and that's what her bread and butter is, is getting knockouts. So I think that um, that's something that she did well. She overcame those two obstacles, and she won. Yeah. And you have to give her credit for that. Absolutely. I mean... She deserves the credit. She deserves the Amanda Nunez fight, but I don't think she should be mad at the commentary. I think if she looked back, she would realize that Felicia Spencer did a phenomenal job for the amount of experience she had, the time she had in the UFC. And I mean, that's the story to me, and I think she should be okay with it. Um, let's look uh, also at the, the Canadians on the card. It started off nicely, 3-0. Yeah, and really then, nicely. And then they lost four in a row. 
Yeah, and uh, all um, TSN uh, MMA show veterans too, right? We yeah, had them on so. the we show. I mean, Gavin Tucker was on. We've Hakeem's had Gavin been Tucker. On. We've had Hakeem on. And then who was on? But who was the Canadian um, one before that? Jillian Robertson. We had Jillian, didn't have on. Yeah, she's the only one. Yeah. that got a win. But she's also one of those uh, mostly in the U.S. girls, yeah, right? She moved the she ones like that we adopted. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that's the other thing. She's Canadians versus. I interviewed her afterwards. She seemed so nervous. Yeah, but she was like laughing after every answer. I don't know. She's she's an interesting. Well, one. she should be happy. 50, yeah. 50 G's in her pocket, right? Yeah. She got yeah. a nice bonus That's award true. for her, for her. She didn't performance. know at the time, but yeah, she was like yeah. she was giggling after every answer. And I was like, okay, this is this is That's weird. it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, there yeah. you go. She's probably like and she's already turning around facing Macy Barber next. Like okay. Perhaps the biggest prospect in women's MMA, and that's the young girl from uh, yeah. American Top Team, is it? No, Denver. She's. Uh, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. She's with uh, Mark Montoya, yeah. Factory X. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's a great fight. Yeah. Yeah, she's so it's in tough Boston. girl. It's in man. like two months. Yeah. Where does um, where is it? Robertson train. Robertson trains at ATT with Dean Thomas. Okay. So um, yeah, that's gonna be a fun one because Jillian Robertson's tough and she's she's a finisher and that that's something that's interesting to see in women's MMA. I don't think she's had a single fight go the distance in the UFC. I might be wrong on that. But, uh, yeah, Sarah Frota, her opponent, I was uh, on the flight to uh, the event, and I sat down at the terminal, and I looked to my right, and Sarah Frota was, like, right next to me. Did you talk to her? No, I didn't. No, no. I don't think she speaks English. She looks really but, intimidating yeah, with all the tattoos, she has tattoos everywhere. Yeah, yeah, she's all tatted up. I'd be scared of her, too. And I was backstage, and I said to uh, someone back there, I said, if Sarah wins, I'm going to ask her what each of her tattoos means and yeah. do, like, a three-hour interview. There you go. Um, Eric Koch uh, won the first fight. You had him as one of your yeah, picks last week. Yeah, he's one of my parlay picks. I and, had. you know, I said that he looked fantastic at 170, and people were ripping on me. But yeah. I thought that he looked really good. I thought that it was a good weight class for him. He doesn't cut much to make 170. He was much faster than his opponent. And he and started at featherweight, too, yeah, right? Yeah, he started at featherweight. Jeez, so now he's like, at 170, and I think yeah. that finally he's hitting a groove where he's going to, I think, be at his optimal performance at 170. And that, listen, I mean, Kyle Stewart is not... Uh, a very high-level guy in terms of UFC talent in the division. I get yes. that. But I think that it was a good look at what Eric Koch can do in, in this division. Yeah, we saw him mix up his, his attacks, his strategies, use the wrestling a little bit. Um, it's just I think when people talk about his performance, we think of the... We think of him back of when he was supposed to fight for the title against yeah. Holloway, right? So we're against the Aldo. Aldo, it was uh, Aldo yeah, at the Aldo, time, yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's the uh, the Coke we think of. So I mean, now when we see him against like a Kyle Stewart, we kind of expect those big performances. So, well, I mean, but he overall, that, he was a you know, plus one forty underdog at one point, I think. I know, and he, he was off for a while too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, so not very active. He wants and, to stay active. He says he says he's had a lot of injuries and stuff happen. But, uh, in yeah, between. regardless, he got the win mm-hmm, for sure. Um, uh, he changed camps too. I don't think he was with Duke Rufus in this camp, was he? He was half of the time. Okay. He has his own gym that him and his brother run, and he also trains with Duke Rufus. So we, we talked about that afterwards. He's a super nice guy. I enjoyed talking to him after the fight. Um, the Canadians, though, Gavin Tucker, Hakeem Dawadu, both guys looked really good. Yeah, no, I've been, uh, ever since we've had him on the show, I've been following Gavin Tucker, and I just become a big supporter of his, watching the way he trains, the way he moves. Like, I think his style is incredible because I'm someone who really likes to switch stances. I like someone who can box and kickbox. So you see Gavin Tucker whip his kicks really nicely. He can box well. He fights from both stances. His movement and distance control is on point. Um, so, yeah, I'm a big supporter and follower of Gavin Tucker. I was I was really disappointed when he got the, the big knockout 
loss last time, so I'm just happy he's back. It was actually he a got decision. that confidence. It was a very lopsided it was a decision. decision. Yeah. Okay. I thought he got finished badly. Pretty bad. No, he like lost 30-24, 30-25. So I remember yeah. he took bad, bad yeah, beating. That was in that, the, that was the ref's fault. Yeah, <laughs> the ref could have okay. stopped that at any time. Okay. But I remember him taking big shots, and I was worried. And then we didn't see him for over a year, probably right. Uh, almost two years. It was yeah. September of 2017. And I mean, for him to come back and fight after that time off, and the, after you take a beating, and you've probably had concussions and headaches for a while, like the first punch you take, you're almost like, oh man, are we going through this again? So for him to, and he took some shots against the uh, the Korean, right? He's Korean. Yeah. Um, he took some big shots against Choi, so uh, he looked good, withstood the the damage, and got his win. So yeah, happy to see like, him back. Seems like he had a lot going on in his personal life over the last yeah. couple of years that uh, kept him from fighting. He looked thick too. He eh? did. He for a good. featherweight, he looked strong. He looked big, strong legs. You know, he just to me, I'm very impressed, and I hope to see him do well. He actually wanted to go to bantamweight too, and then decided against he looked it. Huge. Yeah, I know. He looked huge. He looked 45. massive. He looked like easily good, a lightweight for me. Good grappling skills too. I mean, let's not let's not ignore that. I mean, he won by submission. He's a Gracie Henzo Gracie Jiu Jitsu black belt and. I mean, it showed. True martial artist. Like, I was on his Instagram stories today. It was him walking into the boxing gym. So he's already back in the gym. Yeah, he's course. already training. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm riding uh, and supporting the Gavin Tucker train. And Hakeem Dawadu, tough opponent in Horie. Horie looked very good. But um, Dawadu, I think when, you, when you're against a primarily stand-up fighter, I think Dawadu is going to do his best work, yeah. and he did. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of my fight with Raymond Daniels because you saw Hakeem trying to close the distance with... Um, how do we say his opponent's Horier. name? Horier. So with Horier, he was like moving French. really well. Kicking, I know. That needs an accent on it. Yeah. Uh, but he was moving well, and you saw Hakeem really trying to close the distance, try to use his low kicks that he's known for. But uh, Horier there, did, was it Horier? Oh, Horier. 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 Horier, like Poirier. Yeah, Horier. like Poirier. I think Poirier. So uh, Horier um, moved well. He had good distance control. And it's crazy because one of my favorite techniques, and I, all the guys from my team, I brought it up on Monday in my classes. I was like, I teach taught you guys from day one from the clinch as soon as you break the clinch guys always drop their hand you gotta throw the head kick off of the clinch break so i've been te i teach that every day in my gym probably for the last 10 15 years so to see hakeem do it and land that head kick off that clinch break uh just was a happy moment i sent it to all my gym members and saying like i've been telling you guys for how long here's the proof that it works so um yeah, I'm just happy he looked good. I love his personality of the mean mugging all the time. It's not his personality. That's no, just during him, fight week, that's what, I he, mean, that's what he's I, like. I love it, though. Like, Before I'm looking at his picture fight. now. I like it. I like it. Yeah. It's him. He's he's showing a little bit more of a personality, you know, coming out saying how, you know, everybody's supporting Max Holloway. I'm Canadian. I got the knockout. Support me. I mean, I just think it's uh, a fun personality. It's different. It's unique. And, and he's a killer. For sure, and he's the type of guy that thinks that he could probably hang with Max Holloway if you asked him. If you yeah, said, you oh, yeah, you will. Holloway, and I mean, yeah, he sure. would be good. And I mean, we all know he's a multiple-time world-time. Uh, I think he fought a lot of Muay amateur Thai Muay Thai yeah. champions. Mm -hmm. He's got some, I think, pro experience as well. So, I mean, we know his striking is number one. If he continues to work his wrestling, his takedown defense, we got a big threat in the featherweight division. And then uh, from there, a lot of the Canadians lost. We saw Alexis Davis lose. Um, who else? Who else lost after that? We saw obviously Felicia Spencer lose. It's the um, the one the TKO fighter. We saw uh, we saw Olivier had, lose uh, unfortunately and Barrio. Barrio. Barrio did pretty good though. It was a split decision. I mean, I thought he did okay. Um, that fight didn't have much going for it though. It was a lot of just clinching, very clinching tiring fight. Yeah. 
Um, OAM, what did you think of OAM versus the young? You know, it was uh, around the, the piece, and he made a big mistake in the third. This seems to be happening to Olivier a lot. Unfortunately, is like he's always in the fights, and then he has like a little slip up. That that's what happened against Hernandez too. He got taken down. Um, and you know, I just just making a mistake, and it's the kind of these are little mistakes that cost him fights. Yeah. And I mean, think of how if he would have won those fights, how different his trajectory would be in the sport. He'd be up like probably a top ten fighter. Yeah, easily. And he was ranked division. at one point, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, a hundred percent. So that's the kind of thing we have to consider with him. Is is sometimes he just makes little mistakes that cost him fights, and I think that this fight was no exception. And I think even in his training camp, he was spending almost four days a week with George St. Pierre. So, I mean, one of the top wrestlers uh, that you're going to find in MMA. Top everything, yeah. Yeah. But um, So, yeah, I'm sure that gave him a lot of confidence going in, but just wasn't enough. And I think he's so talented, and I think, again, we'll still see him in the top ten in the future. But, I mean, it's a little slide for him, but, I mean, he's probably easily one of Canada's best that we have. And uh, just a quick news roundup before we get to our, our first guest. So we had uh, we have Derek Lewis apparently coming back in November, UFC 244 in New York um, against Blagoy Ivanov. Uh, I just found out that the uh, the guy at, you know do you ever go to this freshy location near us? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah, the guy who runs it was like a member of the Bulgarian army. He's a fan of Blagoy really? Ivanov. Who's it's probably a who I, I yeah. see. I see a guy Stand there that's yeah. all the time. I don't know. I don't talk to him, but yeah. I can. T- he's probably the guy I'm he's thinking. This guy of. apparently is like was a like did judo for like decades. You just talk to him. He's a, yeah. He, yeah. He, I'll he's bring it up to him. Interesting guy. So um yeah so that's uh, that's one piece of news and uh, just came down on off the Canadian press uh, Brad Katona returning in Vancouver uh, taking on Hunter Azure who looks really good on the contender series that's going to be a tough matchup for uh, for Brad Katona um, they keep putting Katona in these tough matchups and then um, you've also got uh, as if Justin Gaethje on the card wasn't enough they've added Michelle Pereira to the card did you see Michelle Pereira's first fight in Rochester I don't he was think doing so. all kinds of flips and crazy oh, stuff oh yes yeah, yeah, he yeah, looked yeah. amazing yeah, I was so, really excited so he's to facing, see him okay. yeah. Sergey Kandoshko in Vancouver. So you've got Gaethje and yeah, Pereira, Pereira on the same card. So I remember after watching Pereira, he was the big talk of the night on how great he was, how spectacular his fighting style was. So yeah, awesome. Yeah, my boss, uh, Jason Poulter here, who's uh, our, our um, senior producer of Sports Center at night, and uh, he, he says that he's so happy that Pereira is going to be on the card because we can just have so much fun yeah, breaking yeah. down all of the cool stuff that he does. And uh, yeah, so keep tuned to Sports Center for that. And, uh, yeah, Jason's uh, Jason's the biggest Michelle Pereira fan that I've uh, that yeah, I've met. Yeah, well, he, he he's likes exciting. I, I can see yeah. why he is. I mean, he kind of reminded me of the showman of like a, the Johnny Walker, right? Yeah. So it kind of gave us a little uh, glimpse of a lighter Johnny Walker so I, excitement. I, I covered that Rochester card, and there hasn't been a single fight where I've sat cage side in the entire time that I've covered. Which the is UFC. crazy. But I had seen a lot of film on Pereira, and I knew that he was like just a a, a wacky fighter. So I said to the PR team, it was at Rochester, so there's not a lot of media there, very few. And I said, can I sit cage side for this one? And they said, yeah, sure. That was a good, that was a good perfect, move. Perfect one that was a good cage. move. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, it was yeah, just nice. crazy. That whole building erupted. So I, yeah. I was there for that, and I, was, I sat cage side for uh, Desmond Green, who's now incarcerated, unfortunately, against uh, Charles Jordan. I was yes, cage side for that right. one, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that. But yeah, that Pereira fight, whew. Man, that guy's fun to watch. So I'm going to see if I can get the, uh, the cage side for that one. If yeah, you might as well now. Make it a thing. Yeah, let's Every ask. time he's in, Every you're, time you're going in. fights, yeah, I'm sitting cage side. You're stepping up. So, uh, yeah, I, it, people are always like, oh, you must have the best seat in the house. No, I sit in the back and yeah. watch it on the TV. I was shocked, too, Just when like he you. told me that. I was yeah, shocked, that's how too. I watch every fight. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. But that, this is, is it, like... Um, how would you compare it, like watching it here versus watching it there? Is it fun that you have other journalists with you to talk about, or yeah. is everyone in their own little zone? You know, usually I'm sitting next to Brett Okamoto, and we chat a lot during nice. uh, the card. 
Uh, and then uh, Evie Rodriguez from Combatch is also usually with us. And she's, see you guys. Yeah, so we just talk and we help each other out a lot. And it's, nice. it's a good environment back there. And, and Megan Olivia was back there with us this week. So sometimes she's there, sometimes she's not. And in Rochester, um, Laura Sanko is back there, so I got to sit and talk to her for a little bit. So give me a little breakdown of how – so you watch the fights. You have your computer in front of you. You're working your tweets and your articles. Then the fighters finish medicals. Do they come through you guys yeah. or you guys get a chance to They do medicals and then they come to us. We do one-on-ones with them, and then they go and do the media room, like the, the media mix zone. So they do a kind of a scrum okay. after that. So, so you get kind of access the to them for one-on-one. How many, like I guess just the bigger networks get them? Uh, these just, just the I partner guess? networks, yeah. So it's oh, uh, nice. us, ESPN, and Combatch usually are the ones that yeah. are regularly back there. Sometimes BT is there when there's like a big British fighter on the card or it's a big event. Um, and then sometimes like when Blagoy Ivanov fought in Chicago, the Bulgarian media were there, and they get ushered to the back to do... Just an interview with him. I got to come one day and just walk around, pretend I'm some TSN big shot. Just walk yeah. around with some TSN t-shirt on yeah. or something. I'm sure they'll just let you right in. <laughs> just pretend. I'm going to walk in with some credentials and just see how it is. Well, you can come with me one time. I mean, want. I'm friends with all the guys. I'm sure they can You're get me tickets. You're on the TSN MMA too. show. You're there you go. I have to, you can, for sure. Do it. I mean, I, I, if Rogan's there, he will get me tickets. If um, Even Paul Felder. I, I, uh, I reached out to Paul Felder just a couple months ago, just being like a, a positive message, being like, hey, man, like keep it up. Like I see you fight and doing a good job commentary. It was one of those positive message mm-hmm. days yeah. that I felt. So he's, And I invited him to any glory. So he said, anytime I'm commentating any UFC fight, he's like, I got you hooked up. So nice. There you go. There we go. So I'm you just got to start coming with me. That's it. Now i got to come and pretend to... To be part of the TSN squad. Yeah, hopefully you can get. Hopefully Felder can hook you up with like a front row seat. That'd be yeah, fun. there you go. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he'll let you corner some fighters. Like maybe him and Duke Rufus will be like Joe's here. Let, let, let him, me get let in. Let That's him what I'm saying. Yeah. I'll just put a sign up if anybody needs extra corner work. Yeah, exactly. I'm there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> go to the airport. Yeah, just stand <laughs> in there. Like, we'll corner for cash. I'll sit at the hotel and put a little sign and booth yeah. up, and we'll see what happens. Exactly. Or, or sell not? advice. Advice two bucks. There some you advice. Go. There you go. Your advice is worth way more than that. Oh, it definitely deserves more than that. Um, So, uh, UFC in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, before we give our picks for this card, let's uh, let's go to the main event. He's got Colby Covington is a, a pretty solid favorite against Robbie Lawler. And um, I don't know if did you see his open workout clips? No, I haven't. So he was at his open workouts and said, you know, this is the city's not bringing a lot of energy. So um, he wanted to call up some people from the audience. And they were like. Three planted models there that he yes, just brought okay. up to like go on stage, and they did the scrum with him, and he's he's just really going playing to eleven. Yeah, oh yeah. He's I saw his picture time. on Instagram where he was in the bed saying, "Post, you know, uh, open workouts." He had the two model girls with him in the bed and the belt. I mean, hey, where does he get these women from? I don't know. Like, like are they escorts? What do you? He, like, what do you think they? Uh, does he pay like a modeling? Yeah, agency? that's what I mean. Like, well, how's I gotta find it? Find I don't this know else. if he, I don't know. I'm dying to know, but I, Colby, I don't him? think Colby would break character with me if I ask him how he got like. I I, maybe off camera I can find out, but I don't. I don't know if he's going to want to reveal well, his secret. Maybe he's got a good, uh, maybe just, good, maybe good wrestling game and a good game with the girls. Yeah. So we don't know. He says he he loves going out and dancing and meeting girls and stuff that's like he's it. he's told me that before. It, it seems like he do it does okay. A guy who can know. dance. That's it. Yeah, I guess that's the truth. Dance, fight. You know, he does it there all. There you go. And yeah. Maybe there's some women who are Trump supporters that are into it. His big goal is to make America great again, yeah, too. Exactly. So, you and know. make the featherweight division great there again. There you this go. Also part of it. And uh, Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump will be uh, in attendance, apparently. His case. Apparently, I, yeah, that's what he said. What yeah. do you think? What are the chances? I think, no, apparently it's been confirmed. I, Ariel told Ariel actually reached out to his spokespeople. But when I, spe- when I spoke to him, um, you'll have to hear what he has to say. And we'll, yeah. we'll play it right now. So here he is uh, on the TSN MMA show. It's the uh, main event, welterweight division, the former... Interim champion, Colby Chaos Covington. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to introduce this week's guest. I'm now joined by the man himself, Colby Chaos Covington, headlining this week, Robbie Lawler, former training partner of his. That's uh, in Newark, New Jersey. I'm going to be heading down there on Saturday. Flight in, flight out, like Ric Flair, jet setting. Uh, nice speaking with you, Colby. But but are you kiss-stealing is the real question. That I'm not doing, no. Okay, that, good. That, good that, that term doesn't fly anymore. I don't know if you got the, the, the memo on that one. Okay, that, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, so are you you're in Newark now? You're ready, to, uh, you're ready to go for this weekend? Uh, I'm actually over in Manhattan making the media tour today. So we're going, we just got done with Sports Illustrated and Barstool Sports, and we're just making the media rounds in Manhattan today. Are you stopping by the office of Donald Trump Jr.? I hear um, you're, you're trying to get him to come down to the card this Saturday. Uh, I wish I could stop by. I'm definitely going to stop by after the fight, but he'll, he'll, he will 100% be in attendance on Saturday night with his brother and, and his girlfriend and a couple other people. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be an amazing scene. Now, the president couldn't get it out of his schedule at the, the last moment? Uh, it's just too big of a security concern, you know. It's just, if, if people know that the president of the United States is at a fight, you know, and that got out leaked through the media, like, I mean, that's going to be a problem. People are going to set up to do stuff to him. So, you know, he'll definitely be watching, you know, from in his house on his couch, I'm sure, and, and, and be watching very closely. So what you're saying is that if people knew for sure he would be there, it would be a security risk, but you're not ruling it out. That's what I'm getting from that. That's true. I'm not ruling it out. If it happens this one or at MSG in November, you guys will just have to stay tuned to see what happens. That's the thing with chaos, man. You never know, man. We're unpredictable over here. Well, Robbie Lawler is, uh, as I mentioned, a former training partner of yours. You revealed recently he left ATT because a picture of Tyron Woodley was put up on the wall. Is that correct? That is 100% correct and, and the 100% truth behind why he left the gym. Whether he wants to say it or not, and he wants to keep his feelings inside, but that's why he left the gym, man. He turned his back on American Top Team, and he disgraced us. He besmirched Dan Lambert. So now I need to make him pay. I need to leave him in a pool of his own blood and, and bring the scout back to Dan Lambert for what he did to us. Do you feel, though, that that is kind of a bad look? Like if you came into – let's say you had just fought, I don't know, Kamaru Usman, and he was a training, former training partner of yours, um, and they put up a poster of him. Wouldn't you, you know, get a little bit upset by that? Not at all. Not at all, dude. It's it's business, and like they do that for everybody. Everybody that's in the gym, that that you know, when you win a big fight, they put up your picture, a big UFC fight. You know, it's it's a show of respect. You know, and I wouldn't take it personal, man. It's one fight, man. Come back, be a real champion. Show show your true colors. Show your perseverance. That you're not going to let one little picture get in the way, and you don't even look at it. You don't no sell it. That's what I would do. I wouldn't even look at it. So, for, especially for how much American Top Team and Dan Lambert did for him, man. He's He's had it better than anybody's had it in American Top Team history. I mean, uh, unlimited resources for training partners, train, training coaches, uh, a private jet on stand call, standby for him wherever he wanted. I mean, he had everything, man, like literally better than anybody's ever had it. So t- for one fight to turn your back because of that, it's, it's just it's childish, and, and I'm going to make it pay for it. He was ATT's first champion. I'm guessing that they didn't take his picture off the wall. They just added Tyron's picture. Yeah, no, they never took his picture off. It's still up there today. He was, you know, our first champion. But, you know, and that and that's why they wanted me to train with him so much. They, you know, Dan Lambert, you know, acquired me and was like, hey, I really need you to help win this title for our gym, help Robbie Lawler, do whatever it takes, man. Train with him every day so he can be ready. So I train with him every single day. And then for him to turn his back on me and never be around when I need him most, you know, I feel like a slap in the face. And I'm glad I get to square up with him in the octagon. 
So just to be clear, you probably helped him train for uh, Hendricks because he was an NCAA, high-caliber NCAA wrestler, and so were you. Yep, that's right. And I was also a southpaw, and that's exactly what Hendricks was. So, you know, I was the perfect look to get ready for Johnny Hendricks. Now, how did those sessions go? I don't know if you want to reveal that or not. You did reveal the thing about the poster, so I figured I may as well ask. Yeah, they, you know, I'll just say that, you know, there's there's levels to this, and, I, and I'm on a different level than him, and, and I always have been since day one. Even when he was champion, you know, I, I knew I was the best fighter in the world. I've been the best fighter in the world at least for seven or eight years now. I just haven't had the opportunity to show it. So, you know, but Saturday night, it's a whole different story. You know, it's that's for all the marbles. That's when it counts. It doesn't matter what happened in training. It matters what happens on Saturday night in the UFC Octagon live on ESPN. And it's a day card. It's not a night card. So all you snowflakes out there, make sure you tune in early. It's going to be on around noon is the prelims. The main card starts at 3 p.m. And, and yours truly will be on around 4, 4.30 p.m. Stealing the show on ESPN and kicking it back to Sports Center in style. Well, do me a favor. I'm, I'm flying out at 9 that night, and I can't miss that flight. So try to get this thing wrapped up fast you know, if, if you're able to. Oh, I promise you I'm going to wrap it up first round. So you're going to be able to get your flight. After we do the press fight press conference, you're going to be right in, on time for your flight at 9. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I'm a little bit disappointed, though, in, in Dana White. I spoke to him this week uh, after UFC 240, and I said, hey, if, if Colby Covington wins, is he next in line for the title? And he goes, I can't talk about that right now. And then he proceeded to go up to the press conference 10 minutes later and say that if you did win, you were going to be next in, life, uh, in line for the title. Um, given your past in terms of uh, promises that were made and, and subsequently broken, do you buy into that? Do you think that a win over Lawler is getting you that next title shot? No, I don't buy into it. You know, like I've told you in the past, I'm not going to believe anything until it's actually happening and until I see proof of it, you know, until there's a contract written out that says, you know, that it's happening. But until then, man, I'm just going to focus on what's ahead of me, and that's Robbie Lawler on Saturday night, and then, you know, we'll go on to what's next. I can't control if if Marty Fake News has been scared to fight me, and he doesn't want to unify the belts. You know, I couldn't control that that Tyron Woodley was scared of me, and he didn't want to unify the belts, so... All I can do is fight for the people, put on exciting shows, and keep doing what I do best, and that's entertain the fans. Uh, recently, you posted a picture of Jorge Masvidal with Tyron Woodley. I guess they were doing some sort of commercial shoot together, and uh, you asked Ben Askren if, uh, if he needed a new best friend. Uh, did you actually take any sort of offense to that picture? No, I didn't take any offense to it. I was actually just trying to be lighthearted for Ben Askren. You know, I was trying to be nice, man. Like, I was asking if, if, he need, if he needed a new friend, you know, just never know what he might need after what happened to him. So, you know, I was just trying to be funny, and it, the joke completely went over his head, man. He took it so personal, and the way he responded was just so childish. You know, you could tell that someone's writing all his stuff and is buying his clicks and buying his followers and buying all his interaction because, you know, his response was, was very markish. It seemed Tyron Woodley also took exception to it. I don't know if you have him blocked or anything, though. I don't block anybody, to be honest, Aaron. I don't care. Anybody can come over to my social media, say whatever you want. I've never blocked one person in the history of social media. That's the other side. Uh, Tyron Woodley has actually blocked me on social media. So anything he says, I can't see anything because he has me blocked. So if he really had something to say, he'd unblock me and say it to me. But we all know he's scared of me. and We don't even need to talk about him anymore because he had his chance and he passed it up. Going back to Askren, what, what was your reaction when you saw Jorge Masvidal do that? I mean, that was a five-second knockout, uh, possibly the most spectacular knockout of all time. Yeah, my reaction was, you know, I helped train him for that moment, and I prepared him for that. You know, I told him that Askren, Askren was going to come in and put his head down and be looking to wrestle right away. He doesn't know how to strike, so he's not going to throw punches. So throw a big flying knee. Throw, 
throw a big uppercut, and that's exactly what he did. He executed the game plan. He threw a Hail Mary, and it landed. You know, not not all those are going to land, but sometimes they are. And then, you know, when they do land, it makes it that much bigger. So I'm happy for the guy, man. He's on a two-fight winning streak. You know, he was going to lose his job last year. He was on a two-fight losing streak. So, you know, I'm happy for my best friend. You know, when he lost to Damian Mine, I had to take the revenge factor, and I had to go leave Damian Mine and pull his own blood for beating my buddy, uh, Jorge Masvidal. So, you know, I've always had his back, and we're the best dynamic duo in, in MMA today. Is there a better duo, Aaron? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, that, that one's pretty good, and there's lots of videos of you from over the years just doing all kinds of fun stuff outside of the cage. Yeah, man, we're the Batman and Robin of MMA. Of course, I'm Batman, he's Robin, but we're killing the game right now, and yeah, you can go watch our videos. You know, we fight for free, man. We've been fighting in the gym, in parking lots, in 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 living rooms, you can go watch it on YouTube. We fought for an hour straight in the living room. So to fight each other for an undisputed title someday would be a no-brainer, and it would be easy money. I am noticing some undertones there. I mean, you said he's the Robin to your Batman. He lost two in a row and almost lost his job. He lost to Maya, and then you went and beat Maya. Am I picking up on anything there? No, I'm just stating the facts, man. That's what I always do in all my interviews. I'm always honest and truthful, and I never, I never sugarcoat things. I just say things the way they are. The, the truth to everything. I'm not saying anything that isn't true, am I, Aaron? Well, you did say that if, if you guys meet up, it would be easy money. So are you making reference to beating him being easy money or just easy money because you guys would, would oh, fight each other? Yeah. I mean, like, easy money for the both of us, you okay. know, because we, we fought, like, you know, for free. So to fight for a seven-figure paycheck, you know, and, and fight for an undisputed world title, I mean, we both want to fight for that honor. So it, it would be easy to do that is what I'm saying. Okay, got you. You know, the, the brilliance of what he did against Askren, um, Askren, after the fact, said he was expecting that kind of a, an attack, uh, you know, him to run at him. The thing that I, I noticed about it, it was a very small nuance, was in like the first second, he didn't charge right out of the gate. He, he walked with his hands behind his back a little bit to the right, just to kind of slow down his opponent's heartbeat, and then charged in. Was that by design, do you know, offhand? Because that, that's one thing people don't really talk about. In that five seconds, there's not too much to break down, but that first second isn't him charging in. It's him kind of uh, walking with his hands behind his back. Yeah, we, we all know that Askrim, Ben Askrim is a 40-year-old virgin, so his reflexes aren't the same as young guys. So he knew that he let him come out, and his reflexes, he was going to flinch in that moment. So he knew that give it a second to let him come out, and, and then he was going to put his head down when he ran at him, you know, because, he, he, you, know, you know, he's a 40-year-old virgin, so his reflexes aren't, aren't there like, like a young kid, his vision. Now, they're saying Askren is going to fight Demian Maya next. I want your opinion on this because I got into an argument with some people online. Do you think that Askren will try to take down Demian Maya? I know that when you fought him, Usman fought him. Um, anytime a wrestling-based fighter has fought him, the goal is to kind of keep it standing and try to, to win on the feet. But a lot of people you know, think that Askren's striking isn't on par with somebody like yours or somebody like Usman's and that he would go for takedowns. I, I just want to know, from, just, just from a, an analyst's perspective, what do you think is going to happen in that fight? It looks like Ben Askren is going to be 0-3 in the UFC and get his walking papers for Dana White. We all found out that Askren was overhyped in the first place, man. He's got a padded record. He's fighting in Asian bingo halls. He's never fought anybody, and now he's in the UFC, and he can't even get a win. I don't know how people can't see that clear. He's all hype. He bought all his followers. He bought everything he has. So you can't buy octagon wins, Aaron. How do you think that one does go, though, him versus Maya? If you were to just analyze how you think that fight goes down from an X's and O's standpoint, what do you see? Either Damian Maia is going to choke him out if he shoots him for a takedown because he will grab that neck, 
or Damian Myers is just going to outstrike him. He's going to knock him out on the feet or, or just, just pick him apart for three rounds straight and bloody his face. All right. Well, I, I, I think it's going to be a boring fight personally, but a lot of people think it's a really interesting chess match. We'll see how it goes down. Uh, anyways, Colby, always a pleasure speaking with you. Hopefully I'll speak with you after the event on Saturday night. All right, my man. Enjoy the show. Enjoy watching me kick Robbie Lawless teeth and, and retiring him. That was Colby Chaos Covington. The guy's just always on. Yeah. Always has something fun to say. I don't know. He's, he's starting to become the character, I think. I don't think there's a, a, a real Colby Covington anymore. I think the one we talk to is the one we get now. All right. I want to get your opinion on this because this is something he brought up during the interview okay. and something that he had previously brought up on Helwani's show. Robbie Lawler left ATT because after he lost the title to Woodley, who's also part of okay. the ATT family, yep. they put up a big picture of him holding up the belt afterwards. And when he came in to train, that offended him. If that happened to you, how would you react? Let's say you were you were fighting. Uh, who was the dude that that you fought again? Which one, Nikki Holskin? Nikki Holskin. So yeah. let's say you and Holskin were part of the same affiliate team. You come into the gym after losing the Holskin, and there's a big picture of him hosting up the belt. But I mean, one is there all of their champions on the wall? Yes, so, including Lawler. Including Lawler. So no. And La- I, I would be the, I maybe, the only two champions. I would probably walk in, to. look at it, and be pissed off every day. But if I was still getting the same treatment from the coaches and the training, I would be okay with it. Yeah, you'd probably be motivated. I'd be, by it, right? I'd be pissed off a little bit, but it wouldn't be enough for me to leave the team and that kind of thing. Yes, yeah, so that's what Covington said, and I, and I, I don't blame yeah, him for yeah. leaving. Like yeah. I, I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer here. I think that if you feel like you've been disrespected because he had been with with uh, ATT for some time and they yeah. really invested in him to become champion, and then he accepted a title fight against a guy that was technically part of the same team. I mean, Woodley's not in Florida as much as. Uh, Lawler was, but yeah, and he and he left and went to basically a rival gym, went to train with Henry Hooft. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can see where he's coming from, but I think it's a little bit too much big timing. You know, I'll call it the big timing effect, where it's like you think you're bigger than your team a lot of times. So, I mean, it's a team. You know, I mean, even if you talk to a lot of the guys, they they fight each other, and if you're a real team, you got to be all right with it. It happens. You know, you think it's nobody wants to see it, but. I mean, yeah, it's it cold, is what Covington it is. Said, I asked Covington the same question. I said, what, would you be pissed off if you were in his shoes? And he's like, no, it's just one night of my life. Yeah, This is my team. You know, we They put tons of resources and stuff into me, into helping me become a big yeah. fighter. If I was the one supporting the gym, the biggest name of the gym, okay. But ATT has got so many big names, so many stars, so many future champions, current champions. So, And I feel like I might believe Colby, too. You know, Colby, I don't want to like break kayfabe here and and bust the gimmick, but he's a really good guy. Like just from I can see it, just yeah. from sitting and talking to him. Like, listen, I mean, he's got his flaws, like supporting Trump and whatnot. But um, <laughs> of course, but he's the, got an opinion. No, he's know, allowed to. If you're, yeah, I guess you can support who you want to support. It's politics, whatever. Um, so you know, I, I just I, I think that he's being honest with me. He's, he's never he does he tends to tell the truth when he talks to me. So. Um, I guess I think he said he would stay there, and I, I tend to believe him. Well, regardless of we believe him or not, he's doing a great job at selling fights and getting us interested and, and creating tension. He's doing what he had to do in, in, in a division that's stacked, in a division that's really hard to get title shots. He's put himself in a position now to you know get a future shot. Yeah, he'll be next in line, Dana White said. Over the, so I, I, I mentioned this in the interview, too. I spoke to Dana White backstage after the event, and I go, 
Next week, Covington versus Lawler. Do you, do you think Covington will Covington get a title shot if he wins? Because I can't talk about that right now. And then he goes up to the press conference and says that he will. Yeah, he answers he was the same question. For it. Yeah, he didn't want to give it to you first. I guess not. Come on, Dana. Yeah, disappointed. Yeah, very disappointed. <laughs> um, so Covington minus two forty five against Robbie Lawler. Do, do you agree with that line? No. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't either. I, I think we're, they're not respecting, you know, Lawler enough. Like the, the punching power of Lawler, you know, Covington's going to want to come in. I mean, and try to dip his head a little bit. Lawler's got these nasty uppercuts. He's a southpaw. Hey, I mean, I think he's got a good shot at. Uh, I don't see him being a, a plus two hundred five in this one at all. Yeah, I. I think that's a. I'm not going to pick him, but I, yeah. I do think that that's. You're a talking about OG, like even line. even yeah. when we saw him with Askren, like he was beating the crap out of Askren mm-hmm. until you know uh, the ending. But hey, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't. I, he's an OG. He's been in some of the best fights we've seen in the welterweight division. He's not a 205. Am I going to pick him in my picks this week? No, because I still respect. I think Colby Covington, his ability to wrestle and just grind you and tire you out, it just mm-hmm. might be too much for Lawler. And you guys have trained together before, so I mean, uh, who knows what they know about one another? But uh, yeah, I mean, Lawler, Lawler has the power to take anybody out quickly. So I mean, I that's the that's my hesitation is over the course of five rounds. Is there a, a chance that Lawler catches him? Absolutely. And yeah, I, I don't sure. think I would lay minus 245. And Lawler's got that, that warrior spirit that you're going to see Lawler, you know, in, in round five still bang out and scrap and, and fight to the end. Now, here's my question. Like, are there odds on, like, what's the odds on Covington by decision? Like, that's because that's probably where you're going to find your best spot is whether you like. Oh, Covington by decision is probably the most likely. Yeah, like you'd have to think. So Lawler by KO is plus 323. <sighs> So that's well, great value. Yeah, get, oh yeah, for sure. I don't know. If, I don't think Lawler's going to win by decision. That's worth a couple bucks to do it. No, I yeah, don't think and so. And Covington either. by decision is plus one twenty-seven. So if you want to get plus money on Covington, that's probably your safest bet with him because I think. So I think that if you bet, like let's say you had, let's say you had a thousand dollars to bet on this fight. Yeah. I think that if you took bet five hundred dollars on Covington by decision and five hundred dollars for Lawler by KO, you're going to be up money regardless, regardless of either of those outcomes. Is. Now, if one of those outcomes doesn't happen, you're you're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that those are just two very well, likely I guess outcomes. If Covington wins by knockout, is your only? No, I don't. Th- I don't know if Covington would be able to get a knockout against Lawler. No, personally. I don't think so either. I mean, look at RDA. Remember that fight with RDA where RDA was pounding just, on Lawler for yeah. like five full rounds. I mean, I could see Lawler winning a decision. That's the only one where if it stays on the feet and it's like a, a bit of a striking battle. Lawler could win a decision. That would yeah. be my only fear. Yeah, yeah. And what's yeah. the line on Lawler by decision? That's the, that's the other question. Lawler. By decisions plus eight fifteen. See, that's like that's mm-hmm. another decent hail mary. You could, if you want to split like, the five hundred, put, put like fifty bills, on that. Yeah, yeah. You put fifty on that. You put like whatever four fifty so on Lawler lose. by KO. So you can't lose. Yeah. yeah, or at least you break even or just close enough. Yeah, and that's the kind Protect of thing. Where you, yeah, that's the kind of thing where you can look at that and try to find a good outcome that might make sense. Um, all right, so do you have your pick? Uh, I do. I'm Hold doing... on, let's, let's recap, actually, because yeah, yeah, you're, you're beating me up Let's now. talk about that again. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, we're going to skip past yeah, it. No, exactly. let's talk so about it. Joe is now at week. $131 over the course of the year, so up 31 units, I guess, if you want to say. Well, is that units? I don't know. If your unit's a dollar, I guess. Or you're up three units if it's like We can make it up. Whatever. We can be $131 yeah. million. Dollars, yeah, yeah, whatever yeah, exactly. Is. 
So 131 with the Tucker and Coke parlay, which was plus 260. Yeah. And uh, I had Nico Price at like I think it was plus 285 or something, and that lost. So you have 131. I've got 115. So now I'm uh, I'm coming clawing at you from um, from. Well, we're still above the even, of the which is pretty good. We're still over yeah, we're both, our 100 we're bucks well, We're still yeah. in the positive. So, um, All right, okay. so go ahead. Um, parlay. Um, Antonina Chevchenko, she's minus 145. Her length, um, as I'm mentioning, in my mind, the prettier of the sisters, uh, minus 145. And I like uh, Mickey Gall. I think Mickey Gall um, you know, is, is a big threat, is dangerous, um, whoever he fights. And he's a plus 105 over uh, Tuhari. Salim yeah, Tuhari. Tuhari. Um, don't know much about him, but I know Mickey Gall, and I know he trains, uh, you know, with guys like Joe Schilling and Eve Edwards. So I'm going Mickey Gall and Antonina Shevchenko parlay, and that's plus two forty six. I like it. All right. Well, you you hit it last week, so I I hit it again. If, if you keep hitting it, then then I'm going to be in trouble because I'm going with just a simple plus one hundred play on Matt Schnell. Matt Schnell against Jordan Espinosa. Now, Espinosa's really fast. He looked really good in his first fight. But I just think Schnell is better in pretty much every area except for speed. I think he's got much more striking power. Okay. I think he's got better submissions. Um, and I, I think as an underdog, that's just uh, that price is wrong. Uh, Espinosa, I mean, I, I know these rankings are always wrong, but... Uh, well, there's nobody in the division right now. but To, yeah. to have it, so the flyweight division. But Espinosa's uh, ranked higher? I guess so. What, what's he at? Well, I mean, it's been totally wrong, but they say I have Espinosa ranked number nine. Um, and uh, Schnell at 14. So they moved Schnell out of the ranking because he was going to fight at Bantam. I think he fought his last fight at Bantamweight, and now he's moving back in. So that's why he's so low. Uh, people just that do these rankings, they don't pay attention. So, Well, very uh, similar records regardless. Yeah, I, mean, I just think Schnell has fought the better competition. I think that uh, Schnell looked really good in his last fight. Um, and that uh, Espinoza, the guy that Espinoza beat, wasn't as good as Matt Chanel. So that might be a little MMA math there, but I just think Chanel is better pretty much everywhere. I, I think at plus 100, that's a, a pretty safe bet. And I like the safety on that. Yeah, play it's it safer, play, play it safe. inch it. It's, it's, uh, you, you could parlay that with hack per ass, but I'd rather not just... Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking up. too, but at minus 260, uh, I mean, I didn't want to touch that. And I don't know much about this Cole Williams guy, but... Claudio Silva somehow always finds a way to win, uh, but uh, I don't know. I don't like those odds. And also Dong Young Ma, Scott Holtzman. Scott Holtzman's really good, and I, I think he's going to win that fight, but that's also the line on that is a little long for me too. And we never uh, we never touched on the Coleman event. What's your thoughts on this Clay Guida-Jim Miller's fight? Man, this is a tough one to call because oh, they're really very similar tough. fighters. Um, you know, th- the thing is, like, Jim Miller, I think, has better submission skills, and I think that's why you got to give him a little bit of an edge. Yeah. Because if this gets into grappling exchanges and... I mean, I don't think that Clay Guido really wants to keep this on the feet. I think that he's going to always try to go for takedowns. And I just think that Jim Miller's submission gives him a little bit of an edge. Yeah, I And that's why you. I think this line is probably about where it should be. And I think a lot of the uh, other journalists and people I've been reading about uh, are leaning towards Jim Miller, but... You know, Clay, also you, in New Jersey. Yeah, you can't really count out Clay Guida either. I mean, his pace, his ability to go forward and just put on fun fights. But I think regardless, we got two veterans who really put on entertaining fights. I mean, especially Jim Miller and uh, just seems like an amazing guy. It's one of these guys that just seems positive all around, um, especially when he it's the Lyme's disease he's been struggling with. So yeah. I know he's been dealing with that and to see his success after so many years, even with Clay Guida. So, I mean... Um, these guys got to be ending their careers. They're probably at the very similar 
parts of their career mm-hmm. where maybe a few more to go out. So it's kind of a fun fight for them, and I think it's a it's a well matched at a good time. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. Two OGs. Yeah, Clay Guida just got into the Hall of Fame with his fight against really? Diego Sanchez. Yeah, hey. that fight got into the Hall oh, of Fame. Oh, beautiful! Yeah. I mean, I used to always get stressed out seeing his hair in his eyes, and just it would bother me sometimes. Like, I want to fix his hair, but. Uh, yeah, it's just he's always been one of my favorites to watch, the Carpenter. I mean, it always reminded me of that Italian, hardworking, blue-collar construction worker who works hard, who grinds you. Who? So, I mean, I just love that uh, that type of fighter. But Jim Miller, too, goes in there, good finishes, exciting fighter. Man, um, slight edge Miller, but uh, I think we're going to see a three-round fun. I don't think Jim Miller will be able to finish Guida, but... Uh, yeah, I'm excited for that one for sure. I'm starting to wonder though. This is an ESPN card, like big, like ESPN linear for TV. I think they've abandoned the idea of making these bigger cards than the ESPN Plus cards. Like I feel like this is not a card that's above and beyond a regular ESPN Plus card. Yeah, it's not. So I, maybe they've just been given the mandate that, like, listen, just make your cards, make all your cards as good as you can. You know, an ESPN card doesn't have to be better than an ESPN Plus card. Maybe they're just going to just try to make pretty, like, well-rounded cards overall. But what did you think of this, like, this last UFC as as a pay-per-view? It wasn't good. Yeah, I don't think, was, I don't think the value thin. of it was, it was way thin. too thin. Yeah. And it seems like they're doing that. It seems like the uh, the cards are getting slightly thinner um, for the pay-per-views. They're not mm-hmm. stacking them like they should. I mean, I think if you're going to put, like... I wouldn't say there's much big difference between this fight night versus last card that we saw at 240. I mean, two big well, fights I mean, on each. Almost, I think that the main know? and co-main event are better. Uh, although Covington and Lawler would be a better probably co-main event than Cyborg and Spencer. But uh, I think that having Holloway, you can't have he- Holloway headlining fight night yeah. cards for the but, most But I mean, part. you got to put on a few bigger fights um, you know, sure. on the card. I mean, I'm, yes, Jeff Neal, for example, well, versus Nico Price was amazing. But, let's pull uh, up UFC 241 here, and you'll see just how much more stacked that card is than this one. So let's just look at the main card for this. You have oh, Cormier Miacic, two at the top. Nate Diaz Pettis. Paulo Costa, Yoel Romero. Sadiq Yusuf's on the card against Gabriel Benitez. Sadiq He's Yusuf's really good. been amazing. Sandhagen, Asuncao, Manny um, Bermudez. Like a lot of really interesting fighters in the lower part of the card. But, I mean, Yoel Romero versus Costa. Crazy. D- Diaz versus Pettis and Stipe versus Cormier. Like yeah. those are three Derek incredible Brunson fights. Derek in there you're adding. So. Yeah, Brunson and Ian Heinish has been really good. So I think that th- there's just far more name value on that card. But then you go and look at 242. You've obviously got Poirier and you've got... Um, uh, Khabib at the top, but then you've got Barboza and Felder as a co-main event, so this card is probably a lot more uh, similar to the one that we just saw in Canada. There's a lot of fighters that are from, you know, the Middle East or have a Middle Eastern background against, you know, other some other fighters, and this one doesn't have the kind of name value that this is probably, again, very similar to the Edmonton card. Now, of course, there's no Khabib on the Edmonton card, but it's still a title fight. Yeah, no, it's still... Uh... I mean, those uh, the top two are always good. I mean, mm-hmm. Edson Barboza versus Paul Felder's nuts. Yeah, exactly. But th- that's more conducive, to, I think, to like to what we being, saw to what we saw in Canada yeah, compared to the one we're going to see in uh, yeah, for sure. And then what about two forty three in Australia? Still a work in progress. So um, there you go. It's cool too. I just saw that they added, um, looking at the card, Justin Taffa. Um, uh, his brother, Junior Taffa, fights with Glory. Yeah, I've seen and him. they've trained with uh, Mark Hunt. They're all in a little Mark Hunt community that went to camps with them. So they look at Mark Hunt as like Papa OG kind of thing, you know. So they, uh, it's a nice little community, and the Taffas are tough, man. So I'm excited to see this uh, Justin Taffa go. I'm interested to see if Mark Hunt is there. 
I know he uh, doesn't exactly love the UFC. He hasn't signed anywhere, I've noticed. I'm, I mean, maybe he's retired. He's 40, 44, 45 yeah. now, I think. But he could, honestly, like, it wouldn't be bad to maybe get a fight or two with one. Yeah. I mean, he had a big name Bellator. in Japan. He had a huge name in Japan. So a lot of the, I think these old school K1 guys and these fighters, I think a big dream for them is to almost finish their career in Japan because even though the UFC was great and how huge it was, from my understanding, the Japanese kickboxing days were completely like beyond what the experiences of like a modern day fighter would now have. So um, they probably love Japan. That's why when you talk about Fedor, like it's all Japan. You know, like if you if you even ask someone like Vanderlei Silva, he'll probably or Rampage, they'll probably talk about their Japanese experience a lot more than they would their UFC. So maybe to end his career one more with um, you know a good fight. I mean we saw, we have Arjun Buller fighting you know this yeah, in one. two days, right? Was no, it? I don't Tomorrow. think he's on that card, is he? Isn't that? No, he's just doing promos. I think he is. I, I think, think he's he got fighting. pulled from the card. Um, based on his Instagram, he's there right now and he's doing interviews. I th- yeah, I think he just signed there. I'm uh, pretty sure he's fighting because the big card this week is uh, Eddie Alvarez is fighting. Yeah, it got canceled. It was. You're right though. It was supposed to be tomorrow. I don't know what happened there. Oh. I can find out. Maybe I'll send him a text. I saw people asking why it got canceled. Um, anyhow, uh, before we wrap this up, uh, speaking of uh, MMA in Asia, let's go to uh, Myanmar, where Dave Nomad Leduc is the king of Lethway. And uh, as I mentioned, 30 million people watched his wedding, and he's expecting like 40 million people out of 50 million to just be watching this, this fight um, in the World Lethway Championships that's going to be called by our colleague Robin Black. And uh, that'll be on the UFC Fight Pass. I, I think TSN's going to air it at a later date. Um, and uh, here he is on the TSN MMA show, Dave LaDuke. I'm now joined by the king of Lethway himself, the nomad, Dave LaDuke. Dave, thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So we've got your debut in the World Lethway Championships uh, coming up very soon. Uh, you can see it on UFC Fight Pass. We're going to be airing it on TSN as well. Uh, t- for those that are unfamiliar with Lethway, Explain the difference between Lethway and MMA, since this is primarily an MMA show. Amazing. So basically, uh, no Myanmar martial arts, uh, which is thousands of years old. It's been practiced, you know, in in uh, warfare. And like uh, Myanmar, for those who don't know, it's it's next to Thailand and India, between the, the two of them. And they were fighting, you know, the Burmese Empire was, was powerful. Uh, they were using, you know, in hand-to-hand combat, it was uh, headbutts, uh, no gloves. And the cool thing is they kept it like that. Uh, a bit like you know in UFC back in the days, there was headbutts. There was it was bare knuckle, and it was like no holds bar. Well, uh, let's way we it's like the same thing uh, with emphasis on striking. Like let's you go on the floor, let's back up, no shying away. Let's stand and bang, and uh, it's very it's action packed. So basically, uh, t- all takedowns are allowed. You know, like suplex on the head. Uh, uh, you know, uh, there's really uh, there's really uh, nothing really much uh, that we can't do, which is uh, that's that's why I like it. So my question for you, that the thing that interests me most about this is how do you train to throw a good headbutt and take a headbutt? That's the part that I'm, I'm having trouble wrapping my head, my head around. <laughs> yeah, you talk about head, right? So basically, it's, uh, it's a good question. There's uh, something I, I really uh, trained with my Sifu because I come from a, a Sandai, a bit like Kung Fu background with my, with my coach back in Canada. And uh, when uh, he showed me old videos of Let's Way on YouTube back then, it was not accessible at all. And uh, I'm like, I want to do this, right? And uh, so, well, you have to train because they're, you know, the guys are, are really tough. And uh, we started training a lot of uh, the neck. So a lot of neck raises and a lot of bridges, a little bit like in wrestling. Um, so like the training is similar to, uh, you know, maybe an MMA guy would do for wrestling. And, 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 uh, but 
with emphasis again on, on throwing it on the pads too. So you would like in your combination jab cross took you would go you would slip with a with a headbutt follow up with an elbow. It's very sneaky, and uh, most people think you know you have to be uh, it's a bit barbaric or whatever. Well, not at all. Like as you can see, you know, you can, I can still spell my name. I can still talk properly. There's I, I don't do like I just don't like I don't bang like a three a tree. Sorry, or, or you know what I mean. It's there's a, there's a professional way to do it and to uh, to have a long uh, a lasting career in my book at least i i feel like i'm the the new generation guy you know because the the former burmese uh, are very uh, prone to like you know go in the pocket stand and bang headbutt and uh, it makes shorter career so i'm trying to change it all <laughs> so people will often ask you i'm sure from north america why you don't uh, go back into mma i know you've done mma in the past but to give yeah. people an idea of how big you are in myanmar the Conor McGregor pay-per-view did 2.4 million in North America. Your wedding did 30 million viewers in Myanmar on television. Is that is that true? Yeah, absolutely. We had uh, it was live on it was live on TV. You hang up? No, no. Hello, are you still there? I'm here. Yep. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So uh, yes, it was live on national television, and uh, yeah, we had uh, pretty much the whole country tuning in for this, which was like a movie, basically. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, in Myanmar, it's about 55 million people. In my home country, Canada, there's 30, 35 million, right? So it's like, it's basically like the entire country of Canada plus, plus watched it. And uh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I guess I'm not too impressed by the, the mega numbers. I guess I want, I want the purse that follows it too. <laughs> well, yeah, that would help. I guess you don't get sponsorship yeah. money for a wedding that's being televised or anything along those lines? Did you, were you not, able to sell ads? <laughs> no, but it came after that, right? Again, you 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 get that, that that kind of exposure, and it brings with everything. So now I I uh, was able to negotiate an amazing contract with WLC, and uh, we have I have other other sponsors around, you know, in Japan and, and in Dubai. We we uh, I you know it's it, it's good that we have a good presence online and everything. But uh, yeah, I really uh, I'm very happy with the uh, the uh, the the support and the uh, and the love that I'm getting here. So how many people in Myanmar can watch? Like, do you, do you think we'll be watching this event? Good question. I, I, like I said, there's about 50 plus, 50 million plus people, and it's a national sport here. It's like a religion, right? Every, it, literally, there's not much to do. You go either get a massage sometimes, or you watch Latoy, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to be part of this. And it's very, uh, I'm very humbled, very honored to be like uh, uh, a proponent and, and you know an ambassador worldwide for this because there's never been. Uh, I would say, for for uh, you know, I would say probably more than my wedding <laughs> for sure because now it's like. It's my promotional debut with WLC. There's never, ever been, uh, you know, that much media attention. You know, we've never been on TSN, never been on the other platforms. So it's it's definitely, uh, you know, it, since it's also the biggest event that they've, they've done. And, uh, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Again, here right now, we're barely, we're barely, uh, barely can walk in the streets. Well, I'm looking at the previous World Leftway Championship results, and it seems like it's almost all fighters from Myanmar that are winning. So for for you to fight, yeah. I know you're fighting Seth Pashinsky, who's a former UFC fighter, yeah. uh, on this card. But um, what does it mean to have a Canadian just for for the the Canadians listening to have a Canadian that that's going to be in a big event like this? Well, I, I cannot speak for them. I'm sure they're they're pretty uh, happy. I see a lot of messages from my home uh, home people. Um, to be honest, I uh, I consider myself really Burmese. <laughs> to be honest, and you know, like. I'm wearing my my robe right now, my laundry is called, and uh, like I said, our wedding was here. Like I I, I mean, I, I love my family, I love my friends, I love my 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 uh, training gym and everything. But I've never got that the same amount of support that I've got in here, right? I I barely, 
you know, met the, you know, the mayor in Canada, but I got an award here from the Minister of Sports. So it's just like, it's like we got it upside down. I, I, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I I'm just, uh, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm, I was born here in another life. You know what I mean? So if almost the entire country is watching you, you live in Myanmar. How hard is it for you to get around? I mean, are you mobbed everywhere you go, or is it a different kind of culture there where they they have a a respect for your distance? Uh, both, yeah, very, very, very kind, very shy, and they uh, they would ask you like uh, very politely if they wanted to take a picture. But yeah, sometimes they get pretty crazy, especially around fight day, around around fight week, and and, and this. Like right now, it's there's not a lot of uh, they're not very timid right now. <laughs> it's like you you're you're gonna take a selfie with us, and uh, I'm not even asking. <laughs> Do you speak? Do you speak the language? You're able to communicate with everybody there. Nene, nene, a little bit. I'm, I'm learning it. Uh, it's some. That's my next. Uh, after that, I bought a place. I bought a house in Cyprus, and we're moving there to get like a bit of calm, calm time, like a safe haven, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a Burmese teacher there to, to, uh, to learn it. That's my next step. You have I want du- to be able to speak it because when I do interviews, yeah. I was gonna say, do you have Duolingo, the app? Oh, that's, they don't have Burmese. They don't, they don't have, have Burmese. Burmese. I was just going to look that up. Oh. Yeah, because Duolingo is amazing. Yeah, is it work? yeah, it works, right? Yeah, I went to Brazil but, uh, recently, and I learned a bunch of Portuguese just on, on the way there. Uh, oh, yeah, what, what did you use it for? I learned how to order a coffee, even though they don't know what cream is in Brazil. Okay. But I, I ordered a coffee, a cerveja, you know, beer. The, okay. the, the, you know, okay. what, the, the usual, what you would need to know uh, in, in a country uh, in terms of greetings and things like that. So it was good. <laughs> it worked well. Amazing. <laughs> uh, well, we've got Robin Black, uh, who works uh, with me here at TSN. He's going to be calling yeah. the event uh, for for you on UFC Fight Pass. And also, you're on The Amazing Race this season uh, in Canada. <laughs> what, what was that like? I, I yeah. watched a video of you. I think you were on like a, a zip line, and you had to hit a target. And your wife was like, he's going to do it on the yeah. first try. And the guy was like, no, no, he and didn't do I it did. on time. And, of course, he did it on the first try. Yes, of course. No, that That's cool. Uh, again, that was a bit of a distraction uh, for my training camp with this we pre-filmed it for a full month we're the ultimate villain they say that we're the most hated couple in the amazing race canada from you know cbs and the states and canada not only canada but they they really hate us because we're like stealing cabs or i'm cheating i'm i don't give a shit i'm not here i don't need new friends and uh i'm uh, they don't they cannot they never uh, canada is very uh, vanilla right and they never had the villains like that that don't give it i don't care like so uh, and I'm not I'm not I wasn't there for the money I was just there for the for the the couple activity right so but uh, basically uh, the the training camp went well and uh, it was uh, it was I did it in Canada with my coach because basically my first ever let's we fight I did it I, I trained with my Sifu uh, I flew just to train with him and I, it was one of my best against Tutu who's also WLC champ uh, and then I'm like you know what I want to I want to make sure that I'm ready for this one because against uh, Seth is you know bigger than me. Uh, he's cutting a bunch of weight. He cut a, a, a bunch of weight, and uh, I'm uh, he's, uh, I'm tall. I'm six two, and he's taller than me. So he's uh, he's a big he's a big boy. He's gonna be I think in the clinch and the, the you know move to move him is gonna be uh, it's gonna be a feat. But I am faster. I'm uh, more precise, and I I know I want I know I have, I know I can master the inside game with the headbutts and the elbows and everything. And again, like you said, I'm I'm very happy to have Robin there. Uh, he's fellow Canadian, and uh, he's just an amazing guy. It's just going to be exciting to to to, uh, to hear his point of view. He, he always finds a way to, uh, to to think something we didn't think about. So um, he's cut. You, you mentioned he's going to be cutting weight. So this is not an open weight fight. No, but yeah, that's the only. Uh, usually, I fight open weight. This one is cruiser weight, which is uh, heavier than I used to fight because 
I mean, open weight in Myanmar, it was 80 kilogram and up. Okay, because there was originally the guys are not, were never bigger than 80 kilograms, which is around 176 pounds. Uh, so that was like, if you're 80 kilograms and up, you can fight open weight. So I fought uh, and I won uh, the open weight champ, and then uh, I just remained. All my fights were. I walk around at 79 kilograms, so I, I walk around at uh, open weight status, and uh, I never had to cut weight. So uh, all, I fought guys that were, were, you know, 200 pounds, uh, and I, it doesn't really matter. But this one is, is really cruiserweight, which is the vacant title at the, from 79 to 84 kilograms. So around the, ma- the maximum we had to be was uh, 187 pounds, uh, which is, uh, you know, quite heavy for me. It's 10, 10 pounds more than I usually walk around. So I didn't even cut weight. Uh, I was like five pounds less than the, than the, the, the limit. He, he was like on the pit and on the button. So he, he, he made it. He, he, I saw he sweat, a, he sweat a bunch on his uh, videos. So, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's uh, I think since uh, being in the UFC, uh, UFC was, uh, he got bigger. And there's no testing here. So he's a big boy. So I did notice that the uh, WLC um, has a, a partnership with one championship. Is that something you'd ever yeah. explore doing? Is, is fighting in one championship? And that, since there is a partnership there, yep, absolutely. Uh, we have a, the WLC has a as an alliance with char- sharing uh, fighters, and already like those two guys have fought in MMA and vice versa. Uh, I I know for a fact that uh, Cosmo Alexander would not be able to do what he did with Sergio Rico with me. I can guarantee you that, and. Uh, and if we're talking striking, I was one of the first they approached to do the, for the Super Series. And uh, I said, you know what, I focus on Latoy. So he said, well, you should, you know, you know, that's, that also helped my decision to, to, went with the, to go to the WLC because uh, they said, well, we strongly support the WLC in Yangon. One is really powerful in, when they do events uh, in, in, in Myanmar with Anla and uh, all the guys, right? So, um, and basically, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about it for, uh, I'm 27. I'll get stronger in my 30s physically and uh, experience-wise, right? I did I did some fights in MMA when I was very uh, inexperienced and uh, I was a bit like as an ego. Like, I want to fight. I want to go. Nobody wants to, nobody wants to fight them. Let's go, I'll fight them. And uh, that, I like that mentality I had, but now I have ring experience. I have, uh, you know, crowd. I have, uh, I never, you know, so um, I'm excited. And the guys that I fought were, uh, you know, for, you know, he's a UFC fighter, and now also Kiyomi is a, he's fighting for the belt at one, one championship. So those two fights were uh, were against uh, uh, you know A class guys. So uh, I can I'm I'm happy for that, but can guarantee you that with the knowledge I have now and the experience I have now, um, it, eight out of ten I would win those fights. So and I'm still training my my ground actively. Uh, I'm doing sambo, undergo Korchivichian, Hayastan grappling, and uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll see in the future. But first, I, I'm eyeing the belt in the, tomorrow, and um, this is my priority. And after that, again, we want to defend it. It's uh, it's exciting. I, I'm I'm fucking ready. Excuse my French. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, you are from Quebec, I so I understand. I, I speak French exactly. <laughs> and uh, and finally, um, as mentioned, I mean, about thirty to fifty million people watch this this event in in Myanmar. How lucrative uh, is it to be? Who you are? I mean, you're the king of left way. You're the biggest name in in this sport. Yeah. How, how lucrative of a proposition yeah. is this? Well, again, I, I'm. Uh, it's confidential, like those numbers, but I can just tell you basically that uh, it was uh, it was a no brainer when I sat down with uh, Gerald, the CEO, and uh, and the founder. We spoke, and we, uh, we they really proposed to me an amazing an amazing offer. 
uh, and again, uh, how can I say? Without talking numbers, uh, I can tell you that it's it's uh, it's not worth my time right now to go in the UFC. It's not worth my time to go in the UFC right now. It, it's uh, I, I can afford to live in Dubai. <laughs> my wife doesn't work. We travel the world. Uh, I do I do my passion. And again, um, my 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 goal in life is you know is to be happy and. Uh, and uh, the, I don't, I don't, I don't think about numbers too much. But let's just say that uh, I, I can't complain. <laughs> I can't complain. It's uh, it's really it's really cool to, to be able to finally uh, touch those uh, this amount of money. All right. Well, that's uh, it's awesome to speak with you, Dave. And uh... I'll, I'll let you, I'll let I'll, I'll let you think on that, and uh, you can watch maybe uh, I, 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 I might I might post a picture after the fight with uh, the earnings. So who's, if people listening to this go on Instagram, King Leduc. And uh, <laughs> might have a little tip on that. I'll just use my imagination. We'll we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, so you can <laughs> watch. Still, uh, still the ship follow me. <laughs> well, you can watch the most hated man, uh, the most hated team in uh, Amazing Race Canada history uh, on the Amazing Race Canada this season. You can watch uh, the World Lethway Championships in Canada on uh, UFC Fight Pass as well as on, on TSN. I think we're airing it uh, sometime soon. So uh, thank you for doing this, Dave. It's a, it's a real pleasure to speak with you and to learn uh, a lot about uh, what you do. Amazing, and if ever we we meet in the studios, I'll bring pads and I'll, I'll teach you the headbutt. Well, that I appreciate. I'm looking forward to. It. I don't know how uh, how practical it'll be in 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 my daily life, but maybe I'll use it at, at some point. Another someone gets fresh or something, we we can figure that out. You never know. Exactly. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Thank you, guys. That was the king of Lethway, Dave Leduc, and the king of kickboxing, Joe Valtellini, here with That's me. That's it. That's yeah. yeah, so going to wrap it up. So you you had a, a video on your website. Uh, liver finish drills. Please yeah. don't practice these on me. I, I, uh, I was going to show you a few, but I guess uh, we'll save it for another time. But yeah, I mean, I, I just had this idea where I just put my video camera on, I mic myself up, and I just, uh, some of the drills I teach in my regular classes, I just film them so you guys can get a glimpse on some of the drills I teach in my actual classes, what my fighters are learning. So uh, this last video is doing well, so go there and learn. So why is the liver such a Obviously, you hit someone, the liver shuts their system down. But why is that? Do you know? Do you know the biology behind that? Uh, not really. Okay. I mean, you have an you have a background in education. Well, so I mean, I could. I'm sure there's uh, the really. I don't know what it is. I'm gonna be making it up, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know exactly what it is, and I don't want to butcher it. But I'll find out for you next week. How many liver shot finishes do you have in your career? Uh, finishes? None. But mm-hmm. a lot of them set up low kicks, and a lot of them set up my hooks to the head. So I mean, if you watch a lot of my fights, I was kind of like jab, low kick, and then I would throw one, two, and that third one would go hook to the head or hook to the body or a double number. I hit a lot to the body to set up the head. I asked Frankie, by the way, why he abandoned the low kick. I was thinking of you when watching yes. the fight because he had a lot of success with it yeah, early on. Great. And what did he say? I don't remember. Yeah. But I, I, I was should. thinking about it. But I'm telling you, it's an, if these so guys start I thought learning, he was having his most success was in the first yeah, and second round sure. was he was really doing a good to. job on the legs. He had to use it. He relied too much on getting close. The longest weapon you have is your legs. So to get punch someone you got to get a little closer so stay longer chop away especially if you look at the height difference like i really thought like i'm really starting to see that calf kick a lot more and i think if maybe even frankie went for more of the calf because you know if you look at holloway's like uh, tibias they're long so i mean mm-hmm. good real estate to hit i mean even those calf kicks or leg kicks could have done a little bit more damage we gotta we gotta get kick fighting a little bit more popular yeah, it seems like the judges don't give a lot of... Uh... No, don't get me started, Aaron. It's the end of the show. Okay, don't get right. me started you, on low kicks I'll not scoring. You You're going to get me leave. all irritated now before I leave. Come on. <laughs> Do you hear that noise? That was Joe slamming his coffee. Yes. Down. Thankfully not made of glass. <laughs> well, Joe, we'll talk uh, next week. Are you here? Yes, around sir. next week? Uh, I'm around next week, yeah. All right, cool. So you're we'll Mr. Traveler now. lately. Yeah, I'm going to Newark on Saturday, In-N-Out Mission. 
flying in the morning, leaving at night, and then uh, we got a title fight on TSN the next week. We got Valentina Shevchenko against Liz Carmouche. I'll probably see Valentina actually in uh, in Newark. She'll be there with her sister. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Joe. See you next week. We'll see you, buddy. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.